Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, a daily rundown of all things Vice. I'm Jesse Maiko. On this episode, we're going into the archives to bring you one of our favorite Vice interviews. Molly Crabapple is a relentlessly prolific artist, writer, and activist. She's used her intrepid breed of illustrated journalism to document some of the most pivotal moments of the last decade, from the Ferguson riots to Syria's civil war. While Molly's early work explored the romantic underworld of New York's burlesque scene, her art took a decisive turn in the wake of the 2008 financial collapse and the fury of Occupy Wall Street. She's also just published a memoir, Drawing Blood, that tells the story of her evolution into what many have called one of the most influential artists of our time. Your memoir, which is sort of like a collection of essays meets memoir? Kind kind of. And collection of more narrative essays about my life. Like, how did that process go for you? Writing has never not been hard for me. It's never not been the hardest thing for me. And I don't think you can learn to even write a book until you do it. So the first thing I did was I got a hotel room for myself. I love hotel rooms. And I got a big old bottle of whiskey and a big bottle of this compressed coffee thing that works really well. And I locked myself in there for three days and I was like, I'm not leaving until I write 20,000 words. And they can be the shit word. They can be shit words. I can write all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. I don't care, but I have to write 20,000 words. I viewed writing like creating this giant block of marble that I was then going to like take out all the crap parts and, until something good and real remained. And for you, what role do the illustrations play or what effect do the illustrations have on the words on the words on the illustrations it's an interesting thing because art grabs you in a way that writing can't because writing you have to read it you have to make an equal effort with it whereas art it just jumps into your eyes but art always is also kind of pointing and signaling whereas writing can say something explicitly i like art because it shows that care was bestowed on something One of my favorite projects is a collaboration I have with a young Syrian writer, Marwan Hisham, that I did for Vanity Fair, where he was sending me cell phone photos from Raqqa. Syria is a country where a lot of people have cameras on their phones, and there has been a lot of documentation, a lot of media activism, um, a lot of the worst things that you can ever see in the world. All of that visual horror has done very little, I think, to um, interest anyone in the West in it. In fact, perhaps it's it's off-putting. It's just too hard to look at. Part of what I tried to achieve is I wanted to show, like, no, this is worth looking at. This is, this is something I spent time on. I spent a lot of time on this. You, know, you should look. Before Occupy Wall Street, and a lot of my work was about sex and nightlife, beautiful women. I felt like if I included politics in my artwork, it would be sort of this preachy lie. And so I would do it kind of, I would hide the critique beneath the ruffles, I guess. And then when Occupy happened, I felt, no, man, no, I'm being cowardly if I'm not if I'm not explicit. Like, this is a time to take sides, and I wanted to take sides. It was this time of ferment and excitement, though also a lot of fucked up things, too, and it made me not just do political work, but also do all sorts of work that I would have formerly 
not given myself permission to do and even have been afraid to do. There's always this really boring model for artists, which is that you just stay in your studio and you create increasingly exquisite objects for rich people until you die. And then someone makes a lot of money off of them. And this model for artists is so limiting. I wanted artists that were engaged in the world. I, I didn't want us just to be these sort of mute savants. I wanted us... I wanted us to be, you know, an intrinsic part of everything. And when you have this time when, like, people, people are marching, people are protesting, your friends are getting arrested, and you just want to chronicle it, and you want to chronicle it fast. Like, it feels so urgent. I grew up totally obsessed with Toulouse-Lautrec. He was the house artist of the Moulin Rouge. He chronicled sex workers in Paris with more empathy and more solidarity than I ever even would think a man was capable of. He drew all of the ambition and power and venom, just that sort of like amoral greed for life and that rejection of all categories and boundaries and all of the harsh things in scenes that are supposed to be totally frou-frou, like a fucking can-can hall. You have really been immersed in that community of sex work. Is that a big part or is that something that's like not important at all? It actually really influenced my thinking because like, okay, let's say you're a middle-class white chick. There's this idea that society will protect you that um, you have like a sort of innocence and virtue and that that should be unsullied. Even if you sleep around, there's still that, that idea, right? That you're like a special flower and society will protect you and you can go to the police and they'll help you. And once you do sex work, you throw that out. Male virtues were like being brave or loyal or chivalrous, you know, going out into the battle, um, being upright, protecting other people. Doing, they're active, right? And the woman's virtue is not having sex. That, that is what a woman's virtue <laughs> meant. It's, a, it's, it's totally about negation. And I think that when you burn that, when you burn the, that ideal of negation about yourself and you're like, okay, fine, I'm not unsullied anymore. I don't have a fucking clean Google record. I'm not pure. Then you can start thinking in a more active way. And what power do you think that gives you? It does give you freedom. Because you've You've taken something that people said was valuable about you, but were ultimately society was just using to kind of chain you, and you've said, fuck that. Your work has always been work to you in some respects. How has that sort of changed what you've created, or has it? Well, for one thing, it means that I'm not one of those fucking artists that's sitting around saying, oh, I'm waiting for the muse to come to me. I don't believe that. I, I know sometimes the muse comes to you. Sometimes the muse like, comes and makes love to you, and it's amazing. But if you're not spending all of your other time like sharpening your craft, then when the muse comes, you're just going to create crap. Do you think about like the role that your type of journalism plays sort of like in the media landscape? I think that we're living in an incredibly exciting time for journalism in general. You have deep dives of Raqqa based on cell phone photos and in interviews with refugees. You have people doing the most impersonal, data-driven stuff based on crowdsourced images from the internet. We live in a time of everything. We live in a time of multiplicity. And I think that if, insofar as my stuff plays into that landscape, it's the fact that journalism is now looks like everything. There's no one way it looks. Guantanamo is such a difficult place to be a photographer because they have these operational security guidelines that make it like you're playing Twister. You can shoot the scene, but you can't get anyone's heads, and you can't get more than one door, and you can't get any cameras, and you can't get a certain number of building structures. There is stuff that, like, that photographers just they couldn't get. For instance, um, photographers aren't allowed in the courtroom. There are no images of Khalid Sheikh Mohammed that the public gets out except what me and Janet Hamlin and several other artists have done, there are no images of the Guantanamo War Court in photo photography whatsoever. Me and a few other artists who've been there were providing 
really the only visuals of a lot of Guantanamo Bay at all because I couldn't draw people's faces because I was banned from that. I didn't want to just like draw everyone's backs and make, make it seem like it was a coincidence. So what I did was I drew these masks, like smiley faces, but with a neutral expression. That was my way of making that censorship very, very explicit. Do you ever have those moments still of, of like block or anxiety or inability to move forward? In visual art, at least, I found that the answer to that was to work so hard that you kind of broke and to just sort of empty everything out that was cliched about you and then something else emerges. Thanks for listening. And tune in again tomorrow for another Vice Guide to Right Now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.